This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Shoey, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. Do you guys know that? That we are more than conquerors, which is why I can confidently say that we were made to conquer. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you for being a part of this journey. I say this every episode, but I genuinely mean it. It is just an honor and a privilege to be on this journey and a part of this journey with you. So a couple quick things before we jump into today's episode. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much to those of you who have been kind enough to support this podcast through PodFan. I really don't know what to say <laughs> other than thank you. I never in a million years expected that um, more than 10 people would listen to this podcast, let alone want to come alongside and become a part of partnering. So thank you guys so much for that. And the other thing I wanted to say is if you are not subscribed to the newsletter, I use it just again to do quick updates, trying to plan a ladies retreat coming up in the spring and have announcements on some fun merch. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was listening to a pastor do a Bible teaching this week. He's like, don't give me a t-shirt for your podcast. I'm not going to wear it. And I was laughing and the connotation was, you know, I'm not going to advertise your podcast. And I don't want to give the impression that the merch that I create is for advertising the podcast. It's not. In fact, it's just to have Christian merch to wear. I like having Christian stuff to wear. Uh, that's why I wear my chosen t-shirts a lot. I wear those out in public a lot because I love having Christian stuff on and love having something to talk with people about when it comes to the word of the Lord. So uh, the, the Christian merchandise that we have is not advertisement for my podcast. It's advertisement for the Lord. And uh, Lena and I met last week and are coming up with Lena, I should say, I should, I can't take any credit for this is coming up with some other designs that again, will be just Christian merchandise, apparel, things that you can wear to sh spread the gospel, start conversations, those kinds of things. So if you're interested in any of that or get, getting updated, when I put out just a quick blog, I put out little small blogs, uh, then please sign up on the website, made to conquer podcast.com to get a copy of the newsletter. I try to keep it short and sweet. I don't know about you, but I'm bombarded with emails on a regular basis. And um, to quote that <laughs> famous line, ain't nobody got time for that. I don't have time. You don't have time. And so I try to keep it short, sweet to the point. And then the only last thing I will mention is again, I just want to say thank you to your butterfly box and remind you guys what a great opportunity it is to support a Christian ministry, but also uh, be fed yourself. And so this is a great Christian organization that puts together these really awesome boxes every month for ladies. And they're filled with tools and, and different, different cool, unique things that you know, I've gotten t-shirts, lunch bag, necklaces, bracelets, pens, devotionals, the book that came in the box last, last time I opened the box on a Monday and I had finished the book by Sunday. It was such a great book. So great, great, cool stuff. It's a great gift to give. It's uh, a great, something to get for yourself. And just as a reminder, they have offered to give anybody who uses the code Tiana Showy Bogo. So my name, Tiana Showy Bogo. When you, when you purchase a monthly subscription, when you use that code, 
it's going to show it's kind of it's kind of a little bit weird how it shows up on the website, but it shows like a dollar coming off. But what actually happens is the first month when you get your first box, you get two boxes that first month. They're two separate boxes. So it's like the monthly box and then a surprise box all for the price of one. So you get a free box the first month of your monthly subscription when you use that code Tiana Showy Bogo. So that's just something kind of cool that they put together for anybody who uses that code. So I just wanted to remind you about that. Other than that, you guys, let's get into today's podcast. So thank you for those of you who understood kind of the stopgap podcast I did last week, where I realized I got myself off of my intended cadence of the first and third Wednesday of every month by just going every other, every other Wednesday. And that put me doing too much on one week and just, oh, it was overwhelming. And, and I also, my quality suffered and I just didn't want to do that. If I'm going to take the time to do this, I want to do it right and not feel like I'm rushing to get two podcasts done a week. So this podcast is going to start coming out in, in the cadence that, you know, again, unless the Lord changes it at some point in the future, will be the first and third Wednesday of every month is when this podcast will come out. And so, um, again, thank you guys for understanding last week when I just did that short little podcast, funny story about that short little podcast, you know, it takes me a few minutes to convert my desk into my recording studio. So if you guys saw from my perspective, you might judge me a little bit, (laughs) but I've got, you know, I've got like this, uh, I basically take my day job desk and I shove it to the side. In fact, I'm kind of laughing at myself because I forgot to move my desk chair out of the purview of my, (laughs) my camera. I kind of converted into a recording studio. And so last week I thought I was going to be cute when I was like, I'm just going to put up a quick podcast. So that way uh, it doesn't go two weeks in between episodes. I thought it would be uh, real quick just to put my phone down. I have a special microphone on my phone, record it, and that'll be my podcast episode. I did not realize that I was embarking upon an adventure of a lifetime, trying to get a video file off my phone onto my computer so I can do all the editing, create the audio file to upload to a podcast. Uh, I ended up creating three times more work for myself by not taking the few minutes it takes to convert my desk into a recording studio. And so I kind of laughed at myself for that. Uh, there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in life, by the way. <laughs> Beware of the road that is the shortcut road. So, anyway, thank you guys again for tuning in and for understanding. And I'm excited about today's episode. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, you know, I talk I talk about this some, but maybe not enough. I you know I spend a lot of time throughout the week listening to Bible teachings. This is why I can confidently tell you I'm not a Bible teacher because when I sit down and I listen to a great Bible teaching, I realize. I'm not a Bible teacher. <laughs> I, my gift is truly the gift of encouragement. Bible teachers are so great at, you know, taking you into a story and giving you the context and doing so much more than just what I do, which is just trying to take some of these themes in the scripture and encourage you with these themes rather than, you know, educate you deeply on the history of this one particular thing. And even my podcast where I talk about the Bible and overview, you know, my, my hope out of that is that it inspires you to learn more about the Bible, to get into God's word. And it was just enough to wet your whistle, (laughs) to, to wet your appetite, (laughs) not wet your whistle. I wet your appetite, uh, and, and get you excited about getting into God's word. You know, but I do spend a lot of time throughout the week listening to different Bible teachings and reading Christian books. I'm, you know, continually reading different books at night. I that's how I right before I go to sleep and spend some time in prayers, I spend some time just reading some Christian books and you know, giving the Lord space in my life to teach me. And so my devotional time is my devotional time, and then my learning time is my learning time. And I try to keep those a little bit separate so that way I don't take the time that the Lord is using to try to speak to me to 
get filled for my outpouring. In other words, the time with the Lord and I is the time with the Lord and I, and the time with my study time is separate. But I say all that to say that, you know, I kind of keep seeing this recurring theme and, and I've been praying a lot about this and just trying to understand and understand and wrap my arms around, wrap my brain around, I should say, the times in which we live and what it means to be a Christian in the days and age in which we live. So I've done a lot of praying and a lot of seeking the Lord. I recently read Dr. David Jeremiah's book, Where Do We Go From Here? And Amir Tafarsi's book, Israel in the Church. And, you know, but both of these men have spent, you know, a tremendous amount of their life studying biblical prophecy. And it's just interesting hearing their perspective on these things. And then listening to other teachers, Pastor Rob McCoy, I listened to a a teaching he gave, and it just really kind of lit a fire under me. And the question I kept asking myself is, what does it look like to be a Christian in these days and in the latter times as we're getting closer and closer to the prophecies we see in the book of Revelation? And I know for myself, I've kind of gone on this emotional roller coaster over the past two years. Uh, you know, partly when COVID hit, and I think we can all kind of relate to this, none of us really exactly knew what was going on. It was just kind of the, okay, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. And then as it prolonged and as things progressed the way that they did, and then you know, we saw so many things happen in this country. I mean, 2020 was a tumultuous year. And then we kind of slid into 2021. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting here going, how is it already like November? Now I'm, I'm recording this at the very, very end of October, you know, but this will go out in November. I mean, how is it already November? <laughs> and I just my I just can't even comprehend how fast 2021 has gone. But we've also had some very interesting things happen over the past 12, 24 months. And we're beginning to see end time prophecy, you know, as Dr. David Jeremiah says, it, and I like the way he phrases this, so I'm going to steal this from him, future prophecy casts a shadow before it. And what, what Dr. D- Jeremiah is saying is that before a prophecy comes to be, you know, there's always this kind of leading up process, in, in most cases, I should say, leading up process. And, you know, we see this kind of repeated throughout the scripture, you know, where where the Lord sent angels in to rescue Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah before that happened. Noah had 120 years that he was preaching before the flood came. You know, Moses went to Pharaoh how many times before the Israelites were finally freed? I mean, there was a, I mean, the the Lord, the burning bush incident happened years before the actual freeing of, of, you know, the Israelites from Egypt. We see this kind of recurring theme where the Lord gives a long runway in many cases to to what is actually going to happen, and we see these pieces fall into place. And so, we're, as we're seeing some of the things that that the Bible tells us are going to happen in the last days, as we see some of those things beginning to happen, and as I've heard other Bible teachers explain it, we're in the beginning of the birth pains of these things. It's easy to kind of say, "Well, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do today?" as a Christian, knowing that these events are inevitable. I mean, God, God's word will not fail. So how do I behave as a Christian knowing that, you know, right now they are building the Abraham house, uh, something of that nature, Abraham, Abrahamic or whatever, uh, where they're going to be merging Judaism, quote unquote, Christianity with the Muslim faith. And there's going to be, you know, essentially this rising of a one world religion. And they're talking about now building it. And there's already a location in Europe and they're talking about building one in New York. And as we're seeing the rise of this one world religion that we were told, uh, we've got the great reset 
that there's a website and I mean, hundreds of companies across the globe committed to resetting our e- economy. And, you know, we, we were, we're told based in the book of revelation and some of the other prophecies that we see from Daniel's, um, does it, Daniel, Zephaniah, first and second Thessalonians, what Jesus taught us, you know, we're seeing some of these things begin to come together and it's easy to say, well, if these things are inevitable, then what is my role as a Christian, uh, even more personal at home and personal, you know, less off in the distance, we're watching the rise of some incredibly evil things happening in our culture. The normalization of the sexualization of children is unbelievable. It just the, just the stuff that you can find on Disney plus, for example, should make any Christian cringe. Uh, the, the material, the curriculum that's showing up in our public schools. I watched a video of a parent at a school board meeting, read an excerpt from a book that her son was sent home to, from school to read. And it was some of the most explicit sexual material, not uh, in, in perverted in, in horrific ways, but the, like the icing on the cake was, it was a, the setting was at a church event. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's astounding what's happening in our world. And we're seeing the normalization of demonic activity as well. You know, it's, it's really interesting because I, I, I was watching this, um, this video of, I don't even know who the celebrity is. You guys, I'm like, so not in tune with pop culture, but one of these celebrities who was bathed in blood in, in a picture. And I mean, we've got the, you know, the shoe company that had the demonic, you know, the demonic shoe advertisement. And this is, you know, pre-Halloween, some of this stuff, um, we're, we're seeing that, you know, very demonic, disgusting, horrific things becoming normalized in culture. And it's easy to sit here and watch the decay of the moral fabric of the world around us, the normalization of very evil things and say, well, I'm going to take my kids. <laughs> I'm going to get your wives, get your kids, and I'm going to go into a bunker and I'm going to go hide until this evil is passed because we know it's coming. And that's, you know, that's my, you know, there's a part of me that feels like, gosh, I just want to, I want to take, you know, I want to take the people that I love and I want to put a bubble around them and I want to keep them out of this evil. But I, you know, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible doesn't say, okay. And at the end times, things are going to get so bad that I want you to go into your houses. I want you to batten down the hatches. I want you to lock the doors and don't come out until I'm done. (laughs) That's not at all what the Bible teaches. You know, I love the story of Esther because we have this story of a woman who's in captivity, who gets chosen to be the queen. And Mordecai, her cousin says to her, it is for such a time as this, that you were made the queen. I want to remind you that you are on this planet right now in this day and age, in this time, as these things are happening for such a time as this, God does not make mistakes. Your life is not a mistake. The timing of your life on this planet is not a mistake. Your purpose in the kingdom of God is not a mistake. And it doesn't change because of where we are in the timeline of eschatological eschatological events. (laughs) I think I said that right. Eschatology, eschatological events. Yes. It doesn't change because of where we are in the timeline. So I wanted to spend today's episode talking about one of my favorite Bible characters, Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah, as we get into the story, and we're just going to kind of go over some high-level events in Jeremiah, and then we're going to get over into the New Testament and and look at exactly what we are commanded to do in these days. But Jeremiah, if you don't know his story, 
he did not have by earthly human measures, a successful ministry. (laughs) And we're going to go through the things that Jeremiah endured, but that didn't change the fact that God called him to be there doing what he was doing when he did it. And what's even more amazing about Jeremiah's story after we get done reading it is that the Daniel, who is, I love the book of Daniel. Daniel's one of my favorite Bible characters. I say that about everybody, don't I? He's one of my favorite Bible characters. I mean, listen, there are brothers and sisters. I, I guess I, I guess I like my family. <laughs> I guess that's one way of saying it. Daniel even quotes Jeremiah as he's praying and praying for, you know, the, the people. And so Jeremiah had what was you know, seem, see, had seemed to be a fruitless ministry, but it was far from fruitless. It just, it, you know, in many cases, it, it doesn't, it didn't show up, you know, a lot of what he, a lot of the work that he did didn't benefit the people of the day, but it now benefits many generations down the line. And so I, I wanted to come, you know, as, as I was praying about this and seeking the Lord about how he wanted me to approach this conversation today, you know, I think he just wants us to know that nothing we're doing is in vain that we're not here by mistake. He sees and he understands what's going on in the world around us. He's he's got everything under control. We still have a job. We still have a purpose. We still have a mission and we're not allowed to throw in the towel. We're not allowed to get discouraged. We're not allowed to be done just because the world seems to be regressing at a rapid pace. In fact, that should be the cue for us to stand up even stronger and continue to walk in obedience to the Lord. And that's just really my heart for today's conversation. So if you guys will join with me as we open up this time in prayer, and then we'll dive into the word of God and just be encouraged to be reminded that it doesn't matter when the events of revelation and the end times unveil, we still have a job to do. Your your role is still important and we're not done yet. And we're not done until God says we're done. And so that should be an encouragement to us. That should be exciting to us. And that should mean that should allow us to see that you have an eternal purpose and an eternal destiny that's greater than the here and now. And I don't want us to forget that even as dark as the times may be. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit to lead this conversation and then jump right into his word. Heavenly Father, God, you you remind us over and over again that we should just rejoice that you reign and we do, Lord. We are so grateful that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and you are seated on your throne. You will never be dethroned. You will never lose a battle. You are perfect and your ways are perfect. You are mighty. (laughs) And Lord, everything that's happening on this planet, we don't have to understand it, but that's okay because we put our trust in you. We don't put our trust in our circumstances. We don't put our trust in this world. We put our trust in you and your promises alone. And so, Father, as we come now in this time, Lord, we just ask that you would take earth, earth, our, our earthly view, our earthly perspective, and I just ask that you would set it to the side, Holy Spirit, and that we would, we would have your perspective. Lord, that you would help us to see things through your lens. Father, so as the world turns into what you predicted it was going to turn into. We don't lose sight. We don't lose hope. We don't get discouraged because we know that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And Lord, we, we just place our hope and trust and our faith in, in who you are, Jesus, and what you did for us and in your promises that you've made to us. So Lord, we give this time to you. Holy spirit. I just ask that you would lead this conversation. Father, that, that this would be your podcast, (laughs) 
that I would just be a vessel for what you want to do. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening to this. I just ask that that you would be speaking to them, that you would encourage them, that you would remind them that you created them for this time, for this season to be on the earth and that you have a purpose for them, that you want to let their light shine. We want to know what it means to let our light shine in a world that seems so incredibly dark. Mm. Father, we love you. And we just give this time to you. We pray this in the precious name of our Lord and savior, Jesus. Amen. Alrighty. So if you guys will turn with me, if you're going to be following along in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter one, we're going to read the entire first chapter of Jeremiah together. Uh, You know, I get asked this a lot and I probably should specify when I'm reading most of the time on this podcast, I'm reading from the NIV. I just find that it's, it's the easiest to read from. So if you are ever curious what translation I'm reading, it's usually the NIV. All right. So Jeremiah chapter one, the words of Jeremiah, son of Hil- <laughs> Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth. I'm terrible, by the way, at pronouncing names and words. <laughs> in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. So here's the interesting thing about this verse. It, we already know the end of the story. <laughs> okay. So when the people of Jerusalem went into exile, so we know from the very, the very first moment of the book of Jeremiah, where this story is going, the people go into exile. Now, if you read through the book of Jeremiah, and I encourage you to do so, you'll see that that God is warning the people of the coming judgment and he's trying to get them to repent. And in spite of the fact that that is the theme of a good, I would say probably two thirds, and I'm just guessing, but about two thirds of the book of Jeremiah, we know the end of the story. <laughs> and that that's so much like how we are today. We know the end of the story, but that doesn't change the role and the job that we have. And so this is what, this is what the Bible continues to say, starting in verse four. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. At last, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and the Lord will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Verse 13, the word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting fr- It is tilting towards us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will pour out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones. In the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, they will come against her. They will come against all the surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. Verse 17, get yourself ready, stand up and say to them, whatever I command to you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, 
its officials, its priests, and all the people of, excuse me, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So this is a powerful way to start off a chapter. We have this story where the Lord just says to Jeremiah, I, I knew you, I set you apart from the womb. Now, before you say, well, Tiana, he's speaking just to, just to Jeremiah in that se- section, I would encourage you to go to Psalm 139. I've read this Psalm many times on this podcast. And in Psalm 139, verse 13, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That was Psalm 139, 13, verse 16. So So while this is speaking specifically to Jeremiah, I want to say to you that the Lord's word is the same to you. He has a plan for your life. He knit you in your mother's womb. He formed you. He set you apart. Your calling and your purpose in today's world is not the same as Jeremiah's, but in God's eyes, when he creates something and and he has a purpose for it, it is just as important that we are as obedient to him as Jeremiah was and Jeremiah was called to be. And so, you know, as we go on through the story, we see Jeremiah said, I can't speak. I'm too young. Have you ever felt like that? I'm, I'm well, me. <laughs> I can't tell you before this podcast, how many times I kept saying to the Lord, you know, are you sure you're talking to me? Like, is there somebody else in the room that, <laughs> that I'm not like me, like, you know, my history, Lord, you know, my past. Uh, yeah. Tiana, I'm talking directly to you. And so I want to encourage you when you're hearing that voice of the Lord saying, I want you to do this thing. The answer is yes. He's actually talking to you. And it doesn't matter if you're too young or incapable, because again, what we do as believers in response and obedience to what God's calling us to do is all through the power of the Holy spirit anyway. And so, yeah, you're right. You can't do it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I love how the Lord just says to Jeremiah, stop making excuses. Go do what I tell you to do. It's very important that you do what I tell you to do. I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled and I will rescue you from whatever comes. So that was Jeremiah chapter one. Now we're going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 19. We're going to see how things go for Jeremiah a few years down the road. Starting in verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 19, verse 14, Jeremiah then returned from Topeth where the Lord had sent him to prophesy and stood in the court of the Lord's temple and said to all the people, this is what the Lord almighty, the God of Israel says, listen, I am going to bring on this city and all the villages around it. Every disaster I pronounced against them because they were stiff necked and would not listen to my words. When the priest Pasher, son of Emer, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord heard Jeremiah prophesying. These things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. (laughs) Okay, so Jeremiah does what the Lord tells him to do. He prophesies against him. The priest in place at the time responds by beating Jeremiah and putting him in the stocks. (laughs) I mean, so far we're off to a great start, right? (laughs) I'm sorry, I cracked myself up. (laughs) But I mean, it's true. And even Jeremiah, even Jeremiah responds in kind. And so we, we got, that was, uh, Jeremiah 19 verse 14, and that went through Jeremiah 20 verse two. And so we're going to go down to Jeremiah 20 verse seven. And here's Jeremiah's response to this, Lord, you deceived me, Lord. And I, sorry, let, let me start over again. Seven verse seven. 
You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you, I have committed my cause for to you, I have committed my cause. So that was Jeremiah 20 verses seven through 12. And he goes on a little bit longer to talk about it. So even Jeremiah was like, wait a minute, (laughs) this isn't the deal I signed up for. You deceived me. And he talks about the fact that he became, you know, I, you know, um, I hear them whispering on every side, you know, as we, as Christians, as the Holy spirit leads us to take certain stands and to do certain things in culture, we are going to be ridiculed. We are going to be taunted. You know, this is something that the Lord had to remind me. And I've said this before, and I just want to, you know, kind of caveat what I'm about to say with this. Jesus said, if you are not for me, you are against me. The way that the Bible teaches and talks is that this world is under the dominion of the prince of the air, which is the enemy. When we give our lives to Jesus and we choose to follow him and we choose to become his disciples, we move out of the influence and out of the kingdom of the enemy into the kingdom of the Lord. We, we fall under the, the authority and, the, and under the covering of the Lord. And this is why the Lord talks so much about gathering us, uh, gathering us around under his wings and this covering that comes over our lives when we choose to submit ourselves to his authority. You know, we, we get off the broad road and we get on the narrow road. We become new creations. We, we die to the old self and we now become alive as a new creation. We are no longer a part of this world. We are now seated with Christ in heavenly places from the book of Ephesians, and we belong to a different kingdom. When that happens and the Holy Spirit leads us to step up into culture and to start to take a stand against some of the evil that we're seeing, you know, just the absolute cognitive dissonance that exists around the the topic of abortion. I mean, it's absolutely astounding to me how one can call themselves a compassionate, sympathetic person and think that it's okay to rip a human being apart limb by limb because the adults who made the decision to create this child do not want to take responsibility for the behavior that they, that got them to where they are. And then they try to use this extremely rare case of, of rape to, to justify 63 million dead babies in this country. I mean, the cognitive dissonance, just the, the, the inability for people to, to, to face and deal with reality as a result of justifying their position is it's astounding. And so when we step up into the light and we step up into mainstream culture and we say, you cannot teach my children sex at a young age, and it's not your place to, to, to teach them these horrific things that you're teaching them in school. And, and it's not okay to murder a baby because two adults don't want to take responsibility for the decision that got them pregnant to begin with. And, and it's, you know, it's unacceptable to introduce children to sexual ideas. Like when we stand up against this, things that are being normalized in culture, we're going to feel very much like Jeremiah did. We're going to feel very much 
like our friends are waiting for us to slip. We're going to sound like the crazy people in the room because the normal, the new normal, the group think that is occurring is going to be away from the word of God and into the, you know, the mindset that the prince of this world is leading. And that's what Jeremiah was up against. You know, you had an entire culture that had turned their back on God. And what we're going to see as we continue to go through a couple of these passages of Jeremiah is that nobody cared. Nobody wanted to hear what Jeremiah said. In fact, they beat him and put him in the stocks. It was so counter to what they wanted to hear that Jeremiah faced physical ramifications. Now, with this said, I'm not suggesting that we go out and do uh, do things in a way that is not being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and we can talk about what that means in just a, a little bit later as we go through the podcast. But I am saying that the, that the Lord is going to ask us to step up in, in, in light of culture and take stands on things as he leads us, and it's not going to be popular. So I, this is why I love Jeremiah, because I think we need to be reminded that that even though it doesn't seem like what we're doing matters, when God asks us to do something, obedience is critical. And, and Jeremiah probably never could have imagined how many thousands of years later, his obedience was going to impact us today. And, and we don't even know the full impact yet of, of his obedience. So I just want to remind you of that. So now we're going to continue on in the book of Jeremiah uh, in, in chapter 26 starting in verse eight. But as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people, everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests and the prophets and the people seized him and said, you must die. (laughs) We're we're not just going to beat you. Now we're going to kill you. Long story made short. They didn't, they didn't successfully kill him, but there was another prophet, Jeremiah. There's only a few examples in the book of Jeremiah of other godly filled, godly led prophets that were teaching and prophesying in the truth during this time. And we get a kind of a glimpse into this in Jeremiah 26, verse 20. Now Uriah, son of Shemaiah from Kirith Jerem was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord. He prophesied the same things against the city and this land as Jeremiah did. When King Jehoiakim and his officials and his, excuse me, and his officers and officials heard his words, the king was determined to put him to death, but Uriah heard it and fled in fear to Egypt. King Jehoiakim, however, sent Elethan, El Nathan, El Nathan, sorry, son of Abcor to Egypt, along with some other men. They brought Uriah out of Egypt and took him to King Jehoiakim, who had him struck down with a sword and his body thrown into the burial place of the common people. Furthermore, Akim, son of Shepath, supported Jeremiah, and so he was not handed over to the people to be put to death. So we have the other prophet of Jeremiah's day who is prophesying in the name of the Lord who gets executed as a result of his obedience. We're going to continue on. Just I just want to continue to give you a flavor in case you ever feel discouraged, like you should give up because things just aren't working out with what God's calling you to do. I just want to I just want you to spend a day in the, spend a moment in the day of uh, our, our prophet friend, Jeremiah. Now we're in Jeremiah 36 and starting in verse 23. Well, I'm going to actually go up just a little bit more. So Jeremiah, God gives him a prophecy. He writes it on a scroll. The scroll is then given to the king. And so starting in verse 21, the king sent Jeduai to get the scroll and Jeduai brought it from the room of Elishama, the secretary, and read it to the king and all the officials standing beside him. 
verse 22. This is Jeremiah 36, verse 22. It was the ninth month and the king was sitting in the winter apartment with a fire burning and the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehudi had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with the scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed nor no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. So Jeremiah's prophecy, his work, the king listens to it, throws it into the fire and shows no remorse at all whatsoever. So now we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 37. Things are off to, again, as you can see, things are off to a great start for Jeremiah. (laughs) So far, he's been beaten and his life has been threatened. His solo prophet has lost his life. His scroll has been burned in the fire. And now we're in Jeremiah chapter 37. And Zedekiah, son of Josiah, was made king of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He reigned in place of Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim. Neither he nor his attendants nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words of the Lord had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. Again, nobody's listening to anything Jeremiah has to say. And so now we're going to continue on. That was the first that was uh, Jeremiah 37, verse 2, 1 through 2. Now we're going to go down to 15. They were angry with Jeremiah and had him beaten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan, the secretary, which they had made into a prison. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained a long time. Then King Zedekiah sent for him and had him brought into the palace where he asked him privately, is there any word from the Lord? Okay, wait, 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 wait. let me get this straight. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to beat me, throw me in prison, leave me in prison for a long time, and then come back and say, Hey, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's kind of standing at our doorstep. Just wondering if maybe God told you anything about what's going on. And Jeremiah says, and in the second part of verse 17, yes, Jeremiah replied, you will be delivered into the hands of the king of Babylon. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> now, if that's not bad enough, we're going to finish up in Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 6. So they took Jeremiah and put him into into the cistern at Malkajah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah sank down into the mud. Eventually, Jeremiah gets um, handcuffed off into, he gets carried off into captivity and set free. And he stays with the, those that there was a very small remnant that remained in Judah after the Babylonian exile. And Jeremiah ended up saying, but when you, when you look over the, the story, and I just tried to give you some glimpses into what it was like, it, it would have been very easy to be discouraged if you were Jeremiah. In today's world, as we're watching, again, all the things that I've mentioned, and I'm not going to go down that list again, it can be very easy to say, but what, 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 what does it matter? Why should, I, why should I continue to stand up? Why should I continue to speak out when nobody's listening? In fact, I'm being ridiculed. I'm being beaten, thrown in prison. Sounds a little bit like the start of the church if you look at uh, how, how much time Peter, John, Paul, Silas spent in prison didn't change their mission. It didn't change the fact that they had a job to do. And, and what's interesting is if you read the letters of Paul, you know, he thought he was going to be, he thought he was going to be raptured and, and Jesus was, was going to come back in his time. But it didn't change the fact that Paul never slowed down and never stopped and, and never stopped being obedient to the Lord. So now we're going to go to Matthew chapter 24, and we're just going to, we're just going to hear from Jesus about what he has to say about what we're supposed to be doing while waiting for his return. 
Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the son of man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be, two women will be grinding with a hand mill and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Verse 46, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come home on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What Jesus is telling us in this passage is it, that our job is to be looking for him and not to allow the delay in his coming, not to allow the circumstances to prevent us from doing what he's asked us to do. He's going to come when we do not expect him. You know, what's interesting is, is there's a lot of talk on social media about, oh, the, the Antichrist, the Antichrist, the Antichrist. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say to be on guard looking out for the Antichrist. Now, it's he's the Antichrist is talked about in the book of Daniel. The Antichrist is talked about in Second Thessalonians. The Antichrist is talked about in First John. And so we know that he's a person and we know that he's going to come on stage. And the Lord tells us, you know, some gives us some idea as to what's going to happen with him. He's going to die from a, a fatal wound and be brought back to life. You know, we see kind of these glimpses into the life of the Antichrist, but the Bible doesn't say, look out for him, look out for these things. The Bible says to look out for Jesus, <laughs> to be prepared for Jesus. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in some of the other events that we forget to just do what Jesus told us to do, which is to be busy doing what he tells us to do and to be pre prepared for him to come home at any time. Because this terminology doesn't necessarily relate exactly to where we are today. Imagine, you know, let me, let me paraphrase what Jesus said into more common terms. Your boss has given you responsibility to run the office while he's, while he's gone. He says, you know what? You're going to be in charge. I want you to make sure that everybody gets paid. I want you to make sure everybody's doing their job. Keep the business running. Make sure that we're making money. Do what I've asked you to do. I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I expect to find the business in, in working order. And let's say that your boss is gone for a really long time. And now you've gotten kind of used to him not being around. Right. And he, you have one of two choices and he lays out, he lays out these, these two options. You can become lazy. You can become complacent. You can say, you know what? He's not ever coming back. I'm going to slack off. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. And if if your boss were to come back and find you slacking off and not doing the job and the business was, was going under, the employees were neglected, you're in big trouble. Not only are you fired, but you're probably going to be sued for something. <laughs> All right. Jesus actually goes further and he says, you, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be removed from your position 
and you're going to be cut to pieces and assigned a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The consequences are very severe of Jesus coming back and finding you in that place. What he's saying is expect me to come back at any time and have the business in order so that when I show up at any time, you're proud and you're like, you know what? Good time, Lord. Let me show you how good things are going and, and live in expectation that at any moment he's going to return. If you continue reading in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus goes on to reiterate how important this point is. He talks about the parable of the 10 virgins, which five had oil in their lamps. Five did not oil being representative of the Holy spirit. Five were filled with God's spirit prepared, doing what he said to do so that when he came, when they did not expect they were ready and they were taken into the feast. He goes on to tell the parable of the talents. I talked about this in my podcast. God gave you gifts. Now go to use them. He expects to get a return on his investment. The blood of Jesus was not just for the cleansing of sin, but the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we could then then be vessels of God's Holy Spirit, give him our little loaves and fish and let him multiply it through our lives. The parable of the seed and the sower, the only crop that actually, you know, Jesus commends that fell on good soil produced a crop. I think Unfortunately, we've, we've taught a watered down gospel in the United States in particular, where we say, you know what, Jesus is your, is your train ticket to heaven. So make sure you go to the booth, say the magic words, get the train ticket, put it in your back pocket, because when you die and they search your body, they're going to find that train ticket and go, Oh, this one's good. He said the magic words. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity isn't saying a sinner's prayer and getting your magic ticket to heaven. Christianity is saying, I'm distinctly going to get off the broad road and I'm going to get on the narrow road. I'm going to put myself under the authority of Jesus. I'm going to become an obedient servant of God. I'm going to belong to the Lord. I'm no longer going to belong to this world. I'm no longer going to be in control of my own life. I am no longer the God of my universe. I am going to make the God of the universe, my King. When we do that, we, we are given the Holy spirit as our deposit, but there's an expectation that, that we are going to allow the Holy spirit to work through our lives that we, you know, this is why Jesus said in John chapter 15, abide in me and I, in you apart from me, you can do nothing. We are then expected to plug into the vine and allow the Holy spirit to work through us. That, th- that is what it means to be faithful to the Lord while we, you know, with, with what we've been given in the time in which we've been given. And this is why I wanted to start with the story of Jeremiah, because, you know, here Jeremiah was, and he felt ill-prepared, under-equipped, and he had a seemingly fruitless ministry, and, and he had a, a painful ministry and, for all intents and purposes. But he did exactly what God told him to do. And some of the most amazing passages of scripture come out of the book of Jeremiah, out of Jeremiah's ministry. And we're going to get to see in heaven at the Bema seat, which is when the rewarding ceremony for those that belonged to Jesus, exactly what, how fruitful Jeremiah's ministry was. And, and I look forward to celebrating what seemed like a wasted ministry, but how God used that powerfully for many generations to come and how even the prophet Daniel is praying the words of Jeremiah later as he is coming before the Lord and saying, Hey, I know you told Jeremiah, this was going to be 70 years. Can you please forgive us? We really messed up. (laughs) So continuing on, I just wanted to talk about, okay, so I hope that you, you, you know, by this point, you understand that it doesn't matter what the fruit of your ministry looks like. What matters is that you're obedient. What matters is that you've decided to make a decision, you know, that you've decided to, to follow Jesus and that you've decided to let your light shine. So 
Jesus, let's look at exactly what Jesus is telling us to do. Okay. So we know he says, be ready. We know he says, have your oil in your lamps, but what exactly are we supposed to be doing right now? So let's, let's talk about that because he says, let your light shine. So what does it mean to let our light shine? Now we've talked about some of this in other podcast episodes when I've talked about being spiritually mature, because naturally, if you're walking with the Lord, you're filled with the spirit, you're seeking him. He is going to do a work through you and in you that will naturally allow your light to shine. You know, letting your light shine is a byproduct of being a disciple of Jesus, being the servant of all. One of the other episodes, we talked about that by serving people, by loving people, by laying down your life for people, you're letting your light shine. So I want to remind you that some of those foundational pieces that we talked about are how we are to be living our lives in today's world as we are, as the world seems to kind of be spiraling in a certain you know, going in a certain direction that doesn't change our directive. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, start, excuse me, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on and on earth has been given to me. First of all, understand I'm in charge. <laughs> all right. <laughs> My blood bought back what you kids gave away. It's mine. <laughs> Number two, Verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So number two, go make disciples. And then what does he say about and baptize them? Number three, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just like the Lord told Jeremiah, I am with you. Jesus is saying, I am with you. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I am with you. That is our mission. That's what it means to let our light shine, is to walk in obedience to the Lord, to love him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love people as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I say people. And then go make disciples of all nations. We are, we are here on a mission to tell people about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. And in some instances, that means we stand up in a school board and we say, no, not under my watch. Not, you will not be allowed to pollute children under my watch. And sometimes that means standing up in government. Sometimes that means taking a stand in certain ways of saying, you know, no, I, I, the kingdom of God, these are the foundations. These are the principles of the kingdom of God. And I must take a stand on these. Now I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again, this has to be spirit led. The problem and part of the issue that we have and why we've had such an ostracized, you know, why we have so many people ostracized from the faith is as the Bible tells us, Satan has sown weeds amongst us. And and Jesus actually goes on a little bit further in Matthew chapter 25 to say, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. There are weeds amongst us. There are goats in our presence and they have under the influence of the enemy who's masquerading as a angel of light. They have come in and they have taken God's word and they've twisted it. And they Bible, you know, they browbeat people with the Bible rather than doing what Jesus said, which is serving people and loving people. And they've done it in their own strength. They've done it for God, not because of God. Do you see the difference doing something for God rather than in obedience with having God work through you are two very different ways of, of living your life as a Christian. Ponder that for just a minute before I go on too further, too much further, because I think that's an important point to understand. 
I, I mean, I'm always the kind of, I'm always the girl who's like, I'm going to do this for you, God. And he's like, are you really now? <laughs> what I'm asking you to do, my dear child, <laughs> is be obedient to me. Let's just show up every day. Walk with me. Build a relationship with me. Learn what it means to be obedient to me. Learn what it means to follow me. Learn what it means to hear me. Learn what it means to lay down your life. Learn what it means to stand up with the love, compassion, and truth that is found only in Jesus Christ. Learn what it means to be a beacon of hope. Learn what it means to go and make disciples of all nations. Learn what it means to teach them to obey. You can't lead people where you have not gone. How can you teach people to obey Jesus if you do not obey him? I could go in so many different directions with that comment. You want to talk about sin. (laughs) You want to talk about do not quench the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to go into 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's, let's talk about kind of what Paul tells Timothy to do addressing the end times. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse one, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who warm their way into the homes to gain control over global women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith concerned, are rejected. Now, mind you, he's, he's talking specifically in this context about people who consider themselves believers. He tells us we are not to judge the world the same way that we judge Christians. In other words, we should not be surprised when the world acts like the world. I think I was trying to make that point earlier and I got distracted. Shocking. (laughs) Um, You know, we should not be surprised when the world acts like the world. We should not be surprised when demons act like demons. Demons are are no one thing. Death, destruction, theft. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's what demons do. They murder, they lie, they destroy, they steal. And so we should not be surprised by that. And Paul says that to the Corinthians. He says, you know, I'm not talking about outsiders. They're going to be outsiders, but those of us inside the church. And so what Paul is talking about here are people inside the actual body of Christ. But this is also talking about the culture as a whole, because this is obviously reflecting what's happening in a larger point. But when he says have nothing to do with these kinds of people, he's talking about those who consider themselves believers and who live like this. This is who we're not to have anything to do with. We're not supposed to um, not be out in the world ministering to them. And I think that's an important distinction to make because uh, otherwise we would not be doing, we would not be living out the great commission if we tried to avoid people like this, <laughs> because that's, this is who we're called to go minister to, but it's people like this who are within the body of Christ or quote unquote, within the body of Christ that, you know, this would, this would be the description of the wheat in my opinion. So Paul goes on in verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, and the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Isn't that what Jesus promised us? And even we see with Jeremiah, even though he had some hardships, the Lord rescued him from all of them. At the very end, when it was all said and done, Jeremiah was rescued. Verse 12, in fact, everyone, okay, just said everyone, Let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Everyone 
who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me repeat that scripture again, just in case you missed it the first time. Verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus so i just want to pause right there and saying you know paul's reminding him that that the truth is found in the word of god verse 16 all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So in order for us to go live out the good commission, like Jesus told us, we need to be in God's word. This is why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that's why I said in order, you know, Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them. Well, we need to know God's word to know what Jesus commanded. So we can be in obedient, in obedience to what he's commanded, starting uh, chapter four, verse one. We're still in second Timothy in the presence of God and the Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearance, appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. So this is our charge right now. Okay. Second Timothy four, verse two, preach the word, go make disciples of all nations, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge the duties of your ministry. Paul's saying, there's going to come a time when people are not going to put up with your solid teaching. That doesn't change the fact that you're supposed to do it. Jeremiah, the first verse of Jeremiah, or the first part of Jeremiah chapter one is, and the people went off into exile. It didn't change. The outcome didn't change, but it didn't change the fact that God had called Jeremiah to be Jeremiah. Just because the world is moving in a certain direction doesn't change our responsibility to be engaging in the world. I love this, how Paul ends this. And every time I hear this, I just... I see, I see Paul, you know, his journey of going from being the Pharisee of Pharisees. And if if you've never really researched what it meant to be a Pharisee, he had to have the entire Torah memorized, which are the first five books of the Bible. He had to be an expert in the word of God. Uh, He well-trained in rabbinical Judaism, which is the, the, the rabbi's interpretation of how Judaism is supposed to be lived out. So it's not just the Bible, but then how the rabbis say you're supposed to live out the Bible. He was zealous. He had this ferocious zealousy, you know, zealousy, zealousy. I don't know that's a word. (laughs) He was ferociously zealous. That's a better way of saying it for defending God's word to the point where he was murdering these heretics who were calling this Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And then God takes him in over years and years and years of pouring his life out to build the bride of Christ, the church. We now get to the end of his life. And he, you know, he started off in chapter three, verse 10 saying, you know, all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me. And now he says in second Timothy chapter four, verse six is 
as he is wrapping up the end of his life. And he says, for I'm already being poured, poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And kind of my tagline for this podcast is so that we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And here we see Paul getting, you know, getting to the point where he's getting excited that he knows that those words are in store for him because he has stayed faithful to the Lord. Now, I want to just remind you that in Revelation chapters two and three, Jesus speaks to the seven churches and you know, we are a part of the church, the bride of Christ. And these are seven different, you know, areas, but it it also speaks to the seven different issues that Jesus wanted to address with the church. And he says at the end of every single one of these to him who is victorious to the one who is victorious to the one who is victorious. We don't get a bus ticket and stick it in our back pocket. We decide to live like Paul, pouring ourselves out and not giving up and not being done until Jesus says we're done. We're going to go back to the Old Testament really quickly, and we're getting close to wrapping up. So thank you for hanging in there. I know this has been a long one, but I just, I just wanted to reiterate and drive home the fact that we're not done. <laughs> we still have a job. We're still on mission. We're still on the clock. We have an important job to do. And just because it seems like the culture is going in a certain direction and it seems like it's not going to make any difference, doesn't change our responsibility to be faithful to the Lord and to be obedient to the Lord, regardless of what the circumstances look like. So in Zechariah chapter four, verse one, then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from a sleep. And he asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it. Do you know what the seven lamps are? We find them in the book of Revelation chapter two and three with seven channels to the lamp. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He asked me, do you not know what they are? No, my Lord, I replied. Verse six, he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I'm going to read the scripture again because this is extremely important for us to understand. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now let's take hold that thought in your mind as we continue on. Verse 7. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You become level ground. And then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hand of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hand will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? I'm going to say that again. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth rejoice when they see the chosen capstone. It's Jesus. Jesus is the capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. 
Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? Again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two golden pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here and I'm going to make it quick. The seven channels and the seven lamps are the seven churches we see in the book of Revelation. Remember that the Bible is, we see, you can almost find, you can find so much of, of the book of Revelation in Daniel, in Zechariah, uh, prophesied all throughout. There's, you know, while we see new details in the book of Revelation, the Lord had already spoken to the prophets before he gave the full vision to John about so much of what was going to happen. And so we see these seven lampstands. And what the reason that I spent so much time focusing on verse six, which says, not by might, nor by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord, is that the Lord is saying that what he is going to do in this time that Zechariah is getting this vision, it is going to be through his Holy Spirit. And so we see who despi- who dares despise the day of small things. We see the Lord saying, listen, it is going to be by my Holy Spirit. Do not allow what seems to be the circumstances to distract you from the fact that I am doing a work. And then he goes on to talk about the two prophets who show up in Revelation. And if I'm correct, it's chapter 11. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that what, what the Lord is saying to Zechariah in this, in this vision is that it's going to be by my spirit that the seven lampstands are going to do what I've called them to do. And I just wanted to make, make you know, painfully clear as, as I wrapped up this podcast that this isn't you doing something for God. This is you being obedient to God and allowing him to work through you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about this in many other episodes in Romans chapter eight, the children of God are led by the spirit of God. But I wanted to wrap up in Acts chapter one and just and close with this. In Acts chapter one, verse four, Jesus, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I have a gift for you. And that's the gift that we just read about in Zechariah, the Holy Spirit. And then they said in verse six, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In verse seven, Jesus says this. He said this to them. It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It is not for you to know. Don't worry about the time. Be busy looking for me, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, go out and do what I've told you to do. For such a time as this, (laughs) you are hearing this podcast. You are alive right now. God is calling you to continue to be a light in the darkness, to continue to allow your light to shine, to stand up even when it doesn't make sense, even when the rest of the world is ridiculing you, even when it feels like it doesn't matter what you're doing because nobody's going to listen doesn't change the fact that we're supposed to be out there doing what Jesus told us to do. Do not, do not get that hunker down mentality. That is not the kingdom of God. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You have a job to do. You have a purpose. We're on mission. We are soldiers with a job. We are off the broad road. We are on the narrow road and we are following our commander in chief because he, he, 
every detail matters to him. I work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Don't lose height. Don't lose, don't lose height. <laughs> don't lose height. Don't you know they're getting shorter. <laughs> don't lose heart. <laughs> don't get discouraged. Don't turn to the right or the left. Don't listen to the news headlines. Don't let the enemy get a voice in your head. Stay. Keep your eyes focused. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep pouring your life out. May I just remind you of this in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that the outcome belongs to you, Lord. Our only goal and objective in life is just to get under your lordship, learn what it means to follow you and love you and be within relation, be in relationship with you, Lord. We just want to know your sweet voice. We want to know your leading, your guiding, your prompting. We want every, every response to you to be, yes, Lord. Just teach us what it means to let our light shine in this culture. Teach us what it means, Father, to just be filled and led by your Holy Spirit, Lord, not by strength nor by power, but by my spirit, Father. And we just hold on to that promise. We just ask you now for a filling and indwelling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would just learn to allow you through your Holy Spirit to work miraculous things through our lives, Lord, things that maybe we don't see in the physical, but you see in the spiritual. Lord, we, we get off the broad road and we get on the narrow road. We give you our lives. We belong to you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for making a way for the Holy Spirit to indwell in us through the, your sacrifice. Lord, we, we have a vague conception of what that means now. Lord, we really can't truly understand all that you've given to us. But Father, just teach us to learn to understand what it means to treasure this precious gift of life that you gave us through your blood. Lord Jesus, may we be obedient to you and may we make disciples of all nations. Teach us to obey you so we can teach others to obey you. Lord, we give our nation to you. We give this world to you that's moving at what feels like an accelerated pace into a direction that could be scary when we keep our eyes off of or when we take our eyes off of who's on the throne. But Jesus, give us your perspective on these things. You said, do not be dismayed for I am with you. I've overcome the world. And Lord, give us that heart and mind, Lord, may we see ourselves as children of the most high, knowing that you have overcome. Father, use us. Lord, we long to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Teach us what it means to be a good and faithful servant. Lord, we just pray for those around us that don't know you. Lord, we just pray that you would give us a heart for the lost. Lord, that we would not be repulsed by demons and people under demonic influence acting like demons, but Lord, we would see them the way that you do people who need your love, who need your compassion, who need your touch. Father, just work through us, guide us and lead us. We love you. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is a long episode, but I appreciate you guys hanging in there. I will see you again in a few weeks on the second, the first and third <laughs> Wednesday until then just um, be plugged into Jesus. He is our hope. He is our life. And in him, we have everything we need. Thank you guys and be blessed until next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends and family, anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.